Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Prince Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Up, I'm your host, Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. This week, we are celebrating the brilliant weirdos of today's music. On Tuesday, we dropped a fantastic conversation between Tierra Wack and Namdi Obanaya. That was a special bonus episode recorded at last year's Pitchfork Music Festival. Today, we bring you Ishmael Butler, he of Shabazz Palaces, in conversation with Animal Collective's A.V. Terre. Now, this is a true rarity for me. I get to welcome for the second time this week, the one and only TalkHouse Associate Editor, Annie Felt. Welcome back, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm really stoked about this talk. These two are big fans of each other's music, and they're both currently working on really cool projects outside of their main projects. Totally. Now, Animal Collective and Shabazz Palaces have remixed tracks for each other, so I knew that they enjoyed each other's music. But until this talk, Annie, I didn't realize just how deep the influence went on both sides. Annie, tell us about A.V. Terre. Okay, well, A.V. Terre is an experimental pop artist and a founding member of Animal Collective. His most recent solo album, Cows on Hourglass Pond, took an existential and optimistic look at domestic life, aging, and nostalgia. And back in March, we published a really stellar review of it by Nimai Larson of Prince Rama. Animal Collective met when they were in high school in Baltimore, moved to New York City together for college, and since 2003, they've released almost a dozen studio LPs together, though the earliest ones weren't under the full band moniker. All of the Animal Collective members come up in this talk. Their names are, besides A.V. Terre, whose name is David Portner, Panda Bear is Noah Lennox, Geologist is Brian Weitz, and Deacon is Josh Dibb. Now, A.V. is super prolific. In addition to his Animal Collective releases, he's also released a ton of albums under his own name, as well as an LP under A.V. Tears Slasher Flicks. Let's check out Casey Yours from his most recent LP. Flipped over like a chain of consorts Dropped off at the robot bus stop Casey's coming, can't you hear it like the crying wind? Oh, there been the airplanes are turning in can always count on him to put out some really interesting stuff. For sure, for sure. Another artist who will never, never bore you, always fascinating, always himself, is Ishmael Butler, a.k.a. Ish, a.k.a. the Palisier of Shabazz Palaces, and FKA Butterfly of Diggable Planets. Across his career, Ish has been one of hip-hop's most experimental voices. Ish is a rapper, songwriter, and musician out of Seattle. His groups Diggable Planets and Shabazz have been extremely influential throughout hip-hop and beyond, and his work continues to incorporate an innovative variety of thematic and sonic influences. Every record sounds at least a little bit different. And let me tell you, Annie, we have gone from New York to outer space. <laughs> the project Ish is on tour with right now is Knife Nights. That's a trio with him, Eric Blood, and OC Notes. Their record, One Time Mirage, came out last year. From that LP, let's check out Light Up Ahead, Time Mirage. But it wasn't your face. 
There's a lot more sonic overlap between these two than I would have ever expected. Totally. Who knew before this conversation just how deep an influence Shabazz Palaces and Animal Collective have exerted on each other over the years? Amongst the many things that the guys talk about here is the fact that seeing Animal Collective actually got Ish back into making records after he decided he wasn't going to do it anymore. They also talk about the process of creating Animal Collective and Shabazz Palaces tracks. And we get to hear what both artists are vibing on right now, as well as thoughts on Playboy Cardi. And how Shabazz Palaces aims to, quote, elasticize minds with their live show. I'm fucking ready to get my mind elasticized, man. Oh, I'm so stoked. (laughs) Should we roll the tape? Let's do it. So what you working on now, man? I've been writing over the last year, I guess. I just got back from tour. Are you on tour right now? Yeah, I'm not with Shabazz. I'm with this other group called Knife Nights. So we're doing like a a U.S. tour. Yeah, so we out now. We in in New York. Oh, nice. How's that going? Sweet, man. Everything's good. So, yeah, I was on tour, too, just around the U.S., uh, solo, AV tear stuff, and I got back. But, yeah, we've just been talking uh, amongst Animal Collective about uh, new stuff we're working on. So I've been, uh, yeah, I've just been trying to get that together. Yeah, I ran, uh, I saw a panda in... Lisbon, when we were out there, we DJed together for a little while. Oh, nice. You DJed with Noah? Yep. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it was sweet. It was real sweet. Do you ever go out there and see him much? Yeah, we uh, did a Sung Tongs tour, like playing that stuff. And uh, so I went out there. I had a show out there, actually, like a solo tour uh, or show set. So it kind of worked out, but I stayed there just so we could practice that stuff. Nice. But I like it out there. Yeah, it's really nice. It's pretty sweet. Did you do Did you do the AV chair in Seattle? Yeah, yeah. Damn, I must have been out of town. Yeah, it was uh, maybe like three weeks ago, oh, two weeks ago. Yeah, I was gone. Damn. You know where it was? Crocodile? Uh, Numos? Numos. Yeah, Numos. Okay. Nice. Play there a lot of times. That's where I first <laughs> saw you guys. Oh, really? Yeah, this was probably, what what album was it that had like um, Fields and stuff on it? Was it called Fields? Fields, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it was yeah, around then. Yeah. yeah, that was when we played there the most, probably around that record and uh, Strawberry Jam. Yep. Definitely remember some, some epic shows there. Oh, it was sick. It was sick, man. And I had never heard of you guys. I just went and like... I was with some girl, man, and you guys just murdered the situation, man. And I've been I've been a fan ever since, man. It actually changed my whole outlook on making music at that point. Cause at that time I was like not even like thinking I would ever like make any music for a commercial release again. But after I saw you guys, it gave me a little pep in my step, man. It was it was pretty oh, nice. it was pretty profound for me, man. So why why were you feeling that way? I was just like, my mom had died and I was like super depressed. And I was just like, I always felt like rapping was kind of like something for young, younger people to do. And I was getting turning like 34, 35 or something at the time. I don't remember, right. but I was just like, my mind state was just like, I'm, I'm out of the game, you know, like I, I can't do it no more, you know, but um, that, that kind of helped me push me in another direction. And then I started changing I wasn't thinking about rap so much anymore, you know, and just just like not really thinking about genre, but just like making music off my instinct. And I started playing guitar and practicing all kind of different shit because of that show. It, it opened me up a lot, man. And then 
I think you guys had SP555s at that time too, or, or soon after that yeah, or something. Yeah, 404 maybe yeah. around that time. It was that, something like that, and I, I got hit to that. I went and copped one of those, and I was I was off on a new new direction, man. So so thanks a lot, man. You know, and nice for the remix remix you did um, for uh, I forget. I think it was a song we had called Cake or something. You guys yeah, killed yeah. that shit. Yeah, I did yeah, that bro. Nasty, bro. Nasty. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Yeah, the Don, man. That's what's up, man. So I, I wanted to know, where, where are you guys from? Kind of Baltimore County. Most of us, Brian, grew up a little bit outside of Philadelphia, but uh, and Josh was originally from California, but we kind of spent most of our young younger years in Baltimore County, Baltimore City visiting, that hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, I actually spent um, three years in Baltimore City, I think it would be North Baltimore, like Pennsylvania Avenue, Landvale Street, Fremont Avenue. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And um, I was there when they built the waterfront, and I had a job working down at the waterfront, like when they were just finishing construction and stuff like that. So I, oh, nice. I, I got a soft spot in my heart for Be More too. You also were in New York for a little bit, right? Yeah, in the Diggable Planets era, I was there for like 13, 14 years after I left oh, college. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, I was like, how do, how does your relationship to environment and music, like back then, like when I was younger, I was really into Blowout Comb, like it was a big record for me. And but then I kind of, I revisited it and got back into it when I was living in New York and I was living in Brooklyn and it kind of made sense to me because, mm. you know, you, you talk about all those places, all, you know, yeah. that I'd go around in New York. So it kind of, I really attach it to that environment and now... You know, it seems like your last few years of music, or you were you were saying, you know, you changed a lot. But I'm wondering, like, how environment with the newer stuff you've done, like with Shabazz, and maybe what you're working on now, like, how is that? How has it changed, and how does that affect, like, what you're working on currently? Just because you know the older stuff seems so attached to New York to me, yeah. But the newer stuff you do seems a little bit more like alien, spacey kind of. It's harder to you know, to put it in a direct yeah. uh, place for me. So I'm just wondering how, how your environment, where you're living, if Seattle affects that at all or just... Yeah, I think my I think the age that I was at living in New York and then at that time in New York too, it was so, so, so culturally strong, you know? And then like we were out every day, going out every night, you know, like responsibilities of life hadn't really like... um dictated, you know, my activities as much as they did later on, you know, like my kids and, and you know, my mom and stuff getting sick and everything. So, yeah, yeah the environment was was everything. It was just like um, almost like a musical diary to all the stuff that, that I was into and then what I was seeing. But again, like New York at that time was just so rich, man, with with the stuff that um, was inspirational and that, that was really pushing along what I was thinking about and doing. But in Seattle, I was a little bit more uh, cloistered and like holed up, reading a lot more, practicing by myself or just with my guys. And, and then the music was just like, I started thinking like, man, you know, it's all about instinct, you know, like playing free and like capturing moments and then like being satisfied with what you had captured and le kind of leaving it at that, you know, like right. it was more like, like you said, it was more inner space rather than like, um, literally documenting like the physical and social spaces that I was involved in, you know? So that, I think that's probably what it was for me. 
the difference between those places and me living right. there and what came out. Yeah. Do you do you think it's kind of more a little bit more like escapist or something like that? Nah, I think it was more like a um a maturity, you know, and then yeah. like a, a groove, like getting into a certain groove. And then it was just like I really started thinking like finding out about a lot more music because I was like kind of like a hip hop head. I wasn't against right. other music, but I was fully immersed in hip hop mostly. I would say maybe 90, 95%. And then the rest was just kind of like old jazz records and soul yeah. and funk stuff, you know? So I hadn't gotten into rock or alternative or anything like that until after the diggable days. So that's why you can hear it's a lot different now for people that know those two eras for me, it does sound a lot different because my influence has changed hella. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, to me, kind of uh, sounds more, not not spur of the moment, but kind of more organic. Yeah. And do you think that's like, is there a lot of improvisation when you're making that stuff? Or is it, do you have like a lot of concrete ideas? Nah, it's like most, it's mostly improvisation. And then like, once we like find something that has been improvised, that is kind of tight or we think it's tight, then we start to like sharpen it up if you will, you know, but at doing it the least amount as possible, you know, to kind of like. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel like yeah. we make the same, we make things the same way, basically, I think. Like I said, a lot, a lot of what I, what I landed on was what I was able to ascertain from listening to, you know, not only you guys, but a lot of you guys, you know, like I, I realized like how the songs would sprawl and go into different places and morph and things fading in and out. Right. I was really into that as as like the potential to like get, you know, deeper into and then and like extend the instinctive process. And that was really influential to me. If that's the way you guys do it, it was something that I picked up on and um, that was actually true and it, it really moved me along a lot. I've always wondered too, like, it seems like you guys get together and jam and then like, or, or take um, ideas and expand and expound on them. How how does that go? You know, I mean, without giving up the secret sauce, you know what I mean? I'm just like, <laughs> what's going on? Because it sounds orchestral, but also kind of free form at the same time, you know? Right. Well, I think it's it's definitely similar to what you're saying. It's kind of like there's a certain point where I feel like we start with certain ideas that are a little bit more improvisational maybe or off the cuff or there might be like a small idea or a melody that might be started by one of us but then once we all there's a crucial moment at least with when we call something that's like animal collective music or whatever where we all play it together that kind of brings that organic kind of orchestration feel Mm -hmm. to it Mm -hmm. but keeps it like when we first start working on it or jamming on it, 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 it is more improvisational. So I think it, in similar to the way you're saying you work, there's a, there's a certain point where we don't want to play it too many times because mm-hmm. then, then it kind of loses that magical space where it feels like it just came out of the ether. No you know doubt. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I always wondered, like, do you guys ever play the song? I don't know the title of it, but the hook... The, the, the refrain is like, what would I want? Sky, I think. You know, mm-hmm. do you guys ever play that song? <clears throat> yeah, and uh, two th- when we toured for Centipede Hurts, mm-hmm. that was part of the that was part of the show. Mm. Um, we played it a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one to play. 
uh, or get well live for us. Yeah, it it yeah. takes a lot of playing just because the, the rhythm is so wacky and the changes yeah. are, uh, are so kind of spaced out. But yeah, that's one where I sort of just had this loop. It's a Grateful Dead loop. Mm. and um, what, What's the Grateful Dead loop? Which part? It's from a song called Unbroken Chain, uh-huh. which is uh, on the Mars Hotel record. Uh-huh. And it's actually, I just kind of, rev- uh, I didn't reverse part, but I took the end of one part of it and then kind of looped the beginning of it back on itself. So mm-hmm. the loop from the song is actually a little weird. I think at the time I was inspired a lot by what Noah had been doing with loops mm-hmm. um, and repetition. I think at that time that was just my kind of my version mm-hmm. of... Uh, of writing a song that way, and I just listened to the loop for a really long time, uh, over and over again in my apartment in New York. What's a, what's a long time? Uh, I mean, off and on, like for a half hour, hour, <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. Um, just trying to like come up with melodic parts over top of it, basically, and then just trying to mess around with uh, pitching it, you know, so there could be some changes, because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it becomes a challenge. Um, when you're working with repetitive things to uh, yeah. to have cool changes. But I, I feel like with you guys, I really like, you, I, I feel like changes and sort of like repetitive choruses are really like strong part of like, at least what you're uh, doing with Shabazz. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So I feel a kinship to the way you guys, you know, transition and have that have that kind of thing going on. Yeah, man. I, a lot of that I, I sort of glean from you guys. I've often wondered like... um. Man, you guys' videos be sick too, man. Like, do people come to you with ideas and you kind of give them the green light? Is that, or you got a lot of friends that do shit too, huh? We're comfortable with with uh, you know working with people that feel closer to us, and just I feel like that that it's easier for us to communicate with. Yeah. About ideas that we have and then changes and that kind of thing. Sometimes people come to us like really connected to certain sounds and songs, and I think that's really just like the the crucial thing for me to feel like somebody has like a, a connection to something that we've done mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, you know, feels like they're going to put their, put their heart or their soul into making something. Yeah, I agree. That's always Based cool. On that. Yeah. When I saw you at the, um, in, in Asheville, like you guys had a, like a whole projection thing that went along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Went I'm, along with it too. Yeah. Our brother, um, OC Notes, who's a dope musician, makes dope music too. He does the visuals on this um, program called Resolume. That's like, you can like, he's basically working it off of an Ableton push so he can like basically rock with us in time with us right. and stuff like that. So yeah, it's pretty cool. He, he's pretty dope at that. So yeah, that's how we do it now for a little while at least. Are you like, do you, is it crucial to be kind of transportive in the live performance? I hope and so. To like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I mean, using the visuals as well. It's like, it's a big part for you. I think so. Like, we like to, like, um, at its best, draw you in and, and make the mind sort of elasticized a little bit, you know? And, like, see and hear without any lines in between the two and kind of take, take people away a little bit. So, hopefully, that's happening. Do you think about like who you're reaching or who you like, I mean, when you're playing live, but also when you, I feel like it's something like we get asked a lot, like yeah. when we're going into making stuff, like what we think about the outcome of it, where, where will it end up, that kind of thing. And I'm just wondering with you, especially, you know, coming from where a whole part of your life, you know, seemed maybe a little bit more 
I mean, I don't want, I mean, mainstream is like an easy way to put it, but yeah. I just feel like having come from a, a space like that or a place of making music like that, now transitioning to what you're doing now, has it changed in terms of what, who you feel like you're sending stuff out to? And I don't know, do you think about that at all, really? I, I think that, you know, the amount of time I've been involved in the music, making music and selling music and performing music, I just realized like you don't know who is is gonna be at the other end. So I don't think about it that much or right. at all really, you know, because I know for a fact myself, I've ended up at the fan end of stuff that I know the guys that made it never would have imagined I would have been there coming from where I came from, you know? And then I've met a lot of people that's at the other end of the music that I'm involved with that I wouldn't, have, I couldn't have predicted that. So I just, I just stopped even attempting to and been more happy with finding where the stuff lands, you know, and going wherever the music takes me rather than trying to like predetermine anything. Cause I think it's kind of futile. Right. Plus, Musicianship wise and writing wise, I don't feel like I have the ability to like do that before it's done. Cause like I said, I'm operating mostly off of instinct. So I'm kind of, I kind of land where the music takes me. And then wherever, after that, wherever the shows and the interviews and the stuff takes me, that's where I'm supposed to be, I feel like. But how you feel about it? Uh, yeah, I feel, I feel that way. I think, I feel like we've definitely come to a place or I've come to a place where it seems like more often than not, it's just sort of, I guess what I just think of as animal collective fans these, these days or people that relate strongly to the music and that's who it's going out there to. And yeah, I think similar to what you're saying, I don't, I don't think a lot about trying specifically to reach this person or that, you know, just uh, maybe because of how, how long I've been doing it now, too. Yeah, you guys kind of like, made it so where, like, you know, your fans, I know because I'm one of them, like, we just expect to have our minds blown. We don't really have <laughs> anything in mind, you know what I'm saying? So you guys don't really get pigeonholed, right? Like, you can kind of do whatever you want sonically, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to think that way. I mean, I, it's certainly clear you know when when i feel like people are gonna vibe with certain things or more people are gonna vibe with yeah, certain things that we yeah. do other than others you know what i mean i feel like i'm aware of that but uh i feel like in a certain sense yeah i mean that's part of like what we want to do is still be able to like even have our own minds blown kind of by what we're doing yeah. in a way and just yeah. be really surprised yeah and sometimes i don't know the being at the other end of that like you know, or seeing what the other end of that is, it's like, yeah, maybe not as many people yeah. feel that way, but <laughs> it's always kind of a, it's a little bit of a, an experiment, you know, yeah. every time. Yeah. I like to try and keep it that way. Yeah. I, I like it, man. I like it, man. Who, what, what's your favorite uh, pop music that's out now that's located under that auspice, that genre, that title, man? Of pop music? Yeah. Uh... Uh, it's tough, man. I don't, I don't like, I don't listen to a lot of, a lot of pop hip hop. I don't, I don't, I haven't really listened to a lot of these days lately. So I've been trying to, uh, listen to more like the record die lit mm -hmm. just cause, uh, you know, my friends will get really, really into it. So yeah. I feel like that's, that's probably pop music wise. It is. It is definitely. Uh, I thought that was a slick, I thought that was a dope record, man. Was yeah, it's, it's sounding good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just stuff I've I've needed encouragement to listen to, just because I feel like I get I so easily get just the last couple of years just lost in making 
music. So, yeah. at, you know, at a certain point, it's it's hard for me to have the listening space to check out everything. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. But uh, what about you? Well, I got 20-year-old kids, you know what I mean? So it's like stuff oh, trickles right, my right. way that I listen to and I'm it perks up my ears when something is, is kind of fresh, you know what I mean? So I, I start to hear things here and there, but I like that dialect record. I like a lot of the new rap stuff, you know, I don't really listen to it on repeat or nothing, but when it comes my way, I, I can jam to it. I've been listening to like, um, I like Ariel Pink a lot. I like um, Conan Moccasin a lot. Nice. And, um, oh, I, you, you hip to this Posey album? What is it? Posey, P-O-Z-I. These cats out of uh, London. No, I haven't heard it. I've been listening to that a lot. That's pretty oh, yeah. slick. Yeah. It's like, I guess you call it punk, post-punk or something like that. Mm. It's pretty dope. But always listening to just digging in the crates, listening to old records and shit like that, man. There's a group, uh, Sales, uh. Uh, from Florida, I think. They put on a new one not too long ago last year, and I saw them come through Asheville and... Uh, I guess in terms of something that's close to close to pop music, I, yeah. like, I like their stuff. Same. Mellower. Okay. Okay. Nice, man. So you signing you you signing guys too, right? You signing groups as well. We were for a while, but uh, we stopped doing it just because uh, we, uh, we felt like we just couldn't devote the time to wanting you know the mm. artists to be able to do as well as we thought they should. Right. So I don't know. We thought it was more kind of like an injustice to them that we couldn't like devote so much time that we because we just kind of wanted to do our own thing but yeah. we did for a while when uh we were doing the paw tracks label for sure and i feel like even just by um having people i feel like now i guess especially maybe i feel that way because of this tour i just went on i had um some kind of some musicians lipsticism and paradot uh who haven't haven't really had any releases out or done any touring like open up for me and I feel like it's it's kind of the same thing like just wanting to kind of like pass the torch you know and sort of like get people to hear stuff that they haven't heard you know yeah and um I don't know equally just have musicians that I find inspiring like be able to have the experiences that I had you know touring and and doing stuff yeah man you got kids no no oh okay <laughs> Uh, Brian and Noah do so like yeah especially like what you're saying about hearing uh, pop music through through your kids like yeah. I feel like it's that's that's their their way too so I feel like sometimes I hear stuff through yeah. through them but no yeah I don't I don't you ever score any films not really no uh, Josh and uh, Brian just did I think their fir like the first full length feature that oh. we've ever been involved in wow but uh, in terms of yeah like doing a full on score. It's something I, I feel like we always talk about or would like to do, but a lot of times it just comes down to not having time because if we're playing music together, we kind of just want to make a new record. Yeah. Then uh, work on something else. But I, I, I feel like I would like to do something that's more uh, visually split or visually involved, mm. you know, and kind of base things off that more. Have you done a score before? No. I I watch a lot of films and um, I always pay close yeah, attention yeah. to it, you know, and I think it would be fun and exciting, but I haven't done it yet. Have you ever made any films? No, no. I would, uh, you know, often I think about horror movies and making one, but uh, again, it's just for me. It's like, one, it's not like a natural thing for me just because I devote so much time to music. So I feel like there's a little bit of a hump, like going into that world for me, yeah. but... Also, yeah, it's just a matter of having the time to do it because I feel like 
you know, a lot of open space I have just gets sucked up by making music that I want to make. But I do, I watch a lot too. So I'm definitely inspired by a lot of, Morricone especially, like has been inspiring me a lot lately, just in terms of composition and production. Hmm. We'll definitely watch like a lot of spaghetti westerns or something like that just to hear his soundtracks. For sure. And what are your what are your axes? Like what what do you play the most? These days, I don't know, it switches a lot. I feel like I went for a couple years there doing a lot of guitar stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe just because it was the easiest thing to carry around with me and just sort of have around, mm-hmm. you know, in my my house or just in a room and take out and play. Yeah. And I think I just got used to doing that. So mm-hmm. the last couple of things I've worked on, I've written mostly on guitar. But uh, I really like the Electron Mono Machine. Mm, what's that? It's a sequencer. Um, they also make the Octatrack, which is another like sequencer sampler that we use a lot. Yeah. But um, the Mono Machine is just oscillators. And I think it's like eight tracks. And uh, there's like three or four different oscillators or something like that and different sounds you can choose from. It's, to me, a simpler form of that kind of thing just because it's really hands-on and you can change a lot while you're playing live. And I think it's it's like good, it's a good hands-on thing to use live. So I think that's why I like it a lot. So what you plug a guitar into it and then, or whatever, you you go into a, in a line input and it does stuff to it or is it has no, its own? No, there's no, there's no line input. It's all just uh, oscillator based or, you oh. know, it's just, there's, it's synth based. So there's just, okay. you okay. know, certain sounds in there and there's a drum machine in there too, but I don't really use that that much. I guess I just use it for like low end bass lines and hmm. sequencing lines. But I feel like that kind of writing for me, like if I'm writing music, on that, it's just very different and maybe less less fluid and free just because of the repetitive aspect of it, I guess, yeah. by nature, than, say, a guitar is. So I feel like a guitar uh, and piano more lately because I got a new piano recently. So <laughs> um, I've played that since I was young. So I uh, do, a lot of, do a lot of writing and playing on that as well. Nice. What about you? Well, I started, I, I was in middle school and I played alto sax, but then when I got to high school, I, I stopped. And then um, it's in the last 10 years or so, I've been playing bass and drums and guitar and keyboards like as often as I can. I have all that stuff yeah. at the house. So I'm still really new to it all and really excited by it all. So I'm, I'm, I'm on all that stuff as much as I can. Yeah, there are a lot of... Uh good melodic keyboard parts on your stuff. So I wonder, like, is that collaborative, at least on Shabazz stuff? That's, like, the most recent, like... Um, the most, most of the recent stuff, um, I probably did it, yeah. There's a couple cats that I play with, though, like my boy Darius is a super crazy jazz p- pianist, and he plays a lot of some synth lines and stuff on there, but I work with a bunch of cats. But a lot mm. of it is, I just, like, I'll do it or I'll do most of it and then kind of take it to the studio with my bro Blood, who's an engineer, and mix it and kind of refine it from there. Sometimes add parts and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's mostly um, stuff I worked on at the house. Right. Yeah. You just go in and write, write, write the parts and yeah. and then kind of build on it from being in the studio, basically. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've been playing uh, a lot of just a bass guitar too lately. I kind of played it a little bit when I was younger, but yeah. then just kind of put it away. Didn't think about it that much. But uh, just in terms of 
yeah, adding in to existing things. I've definitely been thinking a lot about bass and trying to play it a lot more these days. Yeah. Nice. You, uh, you do other production too? Sure. Yeah. Just songs for guys here and there. Yeah. But I haven't like done an, an album or anything for anyone yet. Do you like it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Nice. Do you, sure. do you feel like you have like a stamp that you kind of like throw on? You know what I mean? Like, are you pretty involved when you do stuff like that? Or is oh, it? yeah, for sure. Most of it's taking place in the remix form, you know, and people have been cool because they're like, they just send me the stems, but they don't really like I can kind of do what I want. You know what I mean? And add or take away whatever. So I basically rebuild the whole song and I've done right. about 10 of those. So nice. that's been cool. And I like doing that. You know, I'm glad to talk to you, man. Like I said, you guys have really influenced me a lot. Not 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 only just the influence, but just made really beautiful music. Sounds good, feels good, makes you move and dance and think and poetic lyrics and great visuals. Thanks, man. Well, I definitely, yeah, I feel, I definitely feel likewise. I definitely feel just in flow and I don't know, a lot of things. I feel just like a musical kinship for sure. I know. I've talked to Tende a lot about jamming, but I, and I know we've done the uh, remixes and stuff, but I would like to, yeah, collaborate more somehow. Cool. Oh, man, that, that's, that'd be a dream come true for me, man. Uh, one day, yeah, I, I'm sure we be. will get together and do our thing, man. Yeah, that, I think that's it dope. would. It would mesh well, yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man, and uh, yeah, man. I hope to see you soon, brother. Yeah, cross paths. Tell all the brothers I said what's up. Give them my best, man, and uh, yeah. Oh, man. I will. I hope you're... Uh, Having a good time out there on the road. Oh, the best time, for sure. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay, brother. Thanks, A. All right, man. All right, my man. Talk to you soonish. All right, see you. Ishmael Butler, A.V. Tear, thank you so much for joining us here on the TalkHouse podcast. Listeners, if you enjoyed this talk, be sure to check out Nimai's review of Cows on Hourglass Pond. Shouts. And Ish's ex-bandmate from Diggable Planets, Ladybug Mecca, in conversation with Senia Rubinos. That was an awesome episode, too. So good. Annie, while I've got you, I want to give a shout to something that you did recently. You wrote your first review for Pitchfork. I did. Tell us about this. Yeah, it was about the autoclave compilation that Discord recently remastered, and it was actually awarded Best New Reissue. Yeah, that 8.6 was huge, man. <laughs> nice one. And you recently had a conversation come out on the Creative Independent, didn't you? Yeah, as of the day that we're recording this, a conversation I had with one of my heroes, Crass's frontman, Steve Ignorant, just went up on the Creative Independent, which is one of my favorite websites. It was so fun to collaborate with them. And it was a cool project where you can read my questions and click a button to hear Steve's response. I mean, his voice, not just his voice in the bigger sense of what a voice is, but his literal voice is amazing. It adds so much to the conversation. It really so good. Does. It really does. And I got to work with Mark, the producer, on that as with this episode. Today's show was co-produced by Mark Yoshizumi. Ish was recorded by Dan Arnez in New York. And A.V. Terror was recorded by Adam McDaniel at Drop of Sun Studios in Asheville. Our beautiful theme music was composed and performed by The Range. And I want to say before we go that we're recording today at Hook and Fade Studios, where just last Wednesday, again Wednesday as we're recording this, Stephen Merritt, the leader of the Magnetic Fields, and Daniel Handler, a.k.a. Lemony Snicket, joined us in conversation all about 69 love songs. Annie, this is going to be a fucking awesome episode coming very soon. I can't wait to hear it. Till next week, I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Annie Fell. Peace. Bye.